Welcome back to the Grand Point Church Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Stein, and today's message is the third in our series called Improve Our Serve, and it's from me. I'm excited for you to learn how you can make a difference and why I believe you can do that right where you are right now. If you'd like to follow along with today's message, our feature verses come from John 6, 1-13, and you can find that in the YouVersion app or grab your Bible and follow along. That was some amazing worship, wasn't it? Can we give them a hand? God is so good, and he kept me from turning my mic on accidentally during worship, so you didn't have to hear me do that. I'm Crystal Stein. Some of you are like, oh, that's not Chad. No, I'm not. Um, Chad is recovering from successful knee surgeries, so I get to be here today, and I'm so excited to bring this third message of our Improve Our Serve series. So... Um, I'm the communications director here at the church, and I was trying to think, as any good speaker does, of a good story to tell to kick off this talk today, and the only one that I could come up with was kind of embarrassing for me, so you're welcome. Um, I just, God was like, no, you're going to tell that one. I was like, well, at least if I'm going to embarrass myself up here, I'm going to know what's coming. So the only story I could think about, and it will tie in, you'll see, is about how I got LASIK last year. So I have worn glasses and contacts since elementary school, right? So for a very long time, oh, yeah, I see y'all looking up there, my elementary school pictures, guys. For you, I will put my embarrassing school pictures on a big screen. Um, Right? My mom said I'm cute, but she has to. So at a certain point, the glasses, which I grew up in the 90s, so they were big and purple, and I, I couldn't see anything, so they're really thick, too. So eventually, those turned into contacts. But the thing was, no matter what, every morning, I would wake up and have to reach for my glasses because I couldn't see. I couldn't see anything if it wasn't, like, this far in front of my face. For years and years and years, that was the habit I had. So LASIK seemed like a really good idea, right? Perfect vision. Suddenly, after a few minutes at the eye doctors, I would be able to see 2020 for the first time since probably like first grade, right? But everything that has to do with eyes completely freaks me out. And so I'm like, I'm going to let other people do this first because I need to know that in 10 years, I'm not going to suddenly go blind or have some weird like third arm or something that happens because of this surgery. So my stepbrother got it done. I had friends actually who got LASIK done in China when they were traveling with their families. So I was like, okay, I'm feeling pretty confident about this. So I saved up, got up all my energy, went and did it. It was as terrifying as I thought it was, but once you're in there, they don't really let you leave. So I stuck it. I was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're doing this. We will be done soon. And so after the surgery and the healing and everything, I was, I was able to wake up and see. I had 20-20 vision for the first time in a very, very long time. But the thing was, every morning I would wake up and I would still reach for my glasses because it was 20 plus years of that habit. And I realized that I had to be really intentional every morning about waking up and choosing to do something different because I wanted to break that habit. I wanted to celebrate this new sight that I had. I didn't want to waste time doing the same thing I had always done, right? So I had to make an intentional decision until that muscle memory, right? Like even though my brain knew I could see, there was part of that muscle memory that was so ingrained that was like, nope, you still think you need that. And so sometimes when it comes to trying something new, we have to be really intentional about not doing what we've always done. We have to be willing to try a new thing 
And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. So if you um, haven't been with us for the last three weeks, I'll catch you up really quickly. The series that we're talking about is called Improve Our Serve. And the first week we talked about the example Jesus gives us for service. And then last week we talked about how we can discover our gifts. And today we're going to talk about how you can make a difference. Right? It does sound good. I like it. Breathe. <laughs> so in addition to being the communications director here at Grand Point, I'll give you a little bit more about my background and then share my gifts with you. So um, I'm an author and a speaker, and I do some nonprofit freelance work for different organizations around the country. I'm married to my high school sweetheart. Uh, he teaches third grade, and we have a daughter who's in first grade. And so I love taking all kinds of personality tests. I love Myers-Briggs and Strength Finders and the Enneagram. I'll take the ones on Facebook that tell me which Disney princess I am. So if it's going to tell me some part of my personality that I don't maybe know yet, I'm into it. So last week on social media, I shared that there was a link on our Facebook, I shared a link on our Facebook page that on our website you could take the spiritual gift assessment. And I hadn't taken one for a while, so I thought, okay, well... I should probably do that. I should probably see what my gifts are. If I'm going to come up here and talk about how we can make a difference using our gifts, I should know what mine are. And so I took the test, and it emailed me my top five. I don't know if there were more. It sent me five. So my first one was exhortation, which is a really fancy way of saying that I like to use words to encourage people. The written word, spoken word, I like to encourage people. That one made sense to me. The other ones were service, administration, leadership, and mercy. And it's really interesting, and my family will not be surprised that mercy was at the bottom of that list. Whenever I took the strength finders test, empathy was really far down on the list, and there's like 35 categories on that one. So these are not weaknesses, right? These are just areas for God to work in my life. So I can always be a little more merciful. One of the reasons that I'm really passionate about this topic is because it ties so well into that gift of exhortation that God has given me. Because serving others and making a difference is something we can all do. And I'm excited to encourage you in that and maybe challenge you a little bit in that, to maybe do something new or different or something you've never thought of before. Right now on social media, there's a phrase that keeps bouncing around that I really love, and it says, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. And that's so important, right? Wouldn't the world be such a nicer place if we were all a little kinder, a little more intentionally kind to one another? But I also think that in a world where we can be anything, we need to be difference makers. Because it's not about just doing a random act of kindness when everybody else on Instagram is so you can put the picture out there. But it's about saying yes to God in those small, ordinary, everyday moments, the ones that maybe other people don't always see, where we can make a difference for his kingdom. Because we're working with him. And we get to do work for him. And when we do that, when we get to serve others, they get to see Jesus in our lives. And the difference that we can make is introducing them to the Jesus that we love. But it's not easy. I'll admit, before I took the job here at the church, Chad and Doug had approached me about it because they saw a need and knew my skill set and thought that maybe I'd be a good fit. And I told them I didn't want to. I had worked in ministry, and I had volunteered at churches, and I had seen the insides of it all, and I wanted no part of it. But the reality was I was afraid, because I had done it before, and I had failed, and I had made mistakes. 
And suddenly, in the course of making mistakes and failing, I had started to believe the lie that I was the failure. Not that I had messed up, we all make mistakes, but that I was a failure. And so I was filled with doubt and questions like, what if the little bit that I can bring to the table isn't going to be enough? Or what if there's somebody better for the job? Or what if the imposter that I think I am in my head becomes a reality and they regret the decision? But after working with these guys for a little while now, they don't do a lot that isn't covered in prayer and consideration. And so instead of seeing failures, instead of seeing mistakes, they saw experience. They saw it in a completely different light. They saw something that could be brought to the table, that could fill a need, that could be a service that I could do if I was willing to do something different, if I was willing to say yes and do it afraid. And so today we're going to talk about how we can make a difference right where we are with the gifts God has given us, not the gifts he gave somebody else, not waiting until the perfect opportunity opens up, but how we can make a difference right where we are. Our scripture today that we're going to focus on is John 6. Verses 1 to 13. It'll be up on the screen, but feel free if you have your phone, your iPad. I promise I can't see if you're playing a game instead of reading the Bible, so whatever, go for it. But in this section of scripture, we're talking about how Jesus fed the 5,000. And I didn't grow up in church, and so I'm not super familiar with maybe the Sunday school version of this. So um, if this is a story that maybe you're not familiar with either, I wanted to just catch us up. So in this section of scripture, Jesus and the disciples are in Galilee. And Jesus had just finished performing three miracles. He had turned water into wine, and then he healed the son of an official, and then he was healing the sick. And so imagine how things go viral today on social media, right? You see something and you share it, and suddenly it has a thousand shares and a million shares, and it's crazy, right? Imagine what had happened here When people were witnessing firsthand Jesus doing miracles, you know they went back and told people. You know they were telling their neighbors and their friends and their family. And then the second miracle happened. And then the third one. And suddenly there are thousands of people who have followed Jesus and the disciples to this hillside on the Sea of Galilee because they wanted a front row seat to whatever it was he was going to do next. After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee A huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. Jesus went up a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. So when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? He asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also with the fish as much as they wanted. When they were full, he told his disciples, Collect the leftovers so nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. So just to unpack this a little bit before we jump into our takeaways, it's interesting to me that Jesus asked Philip where they could go get some food. And scholars think that's because Philip was from that area. He grew up there. 
So it'd be like if you went and traveled out of state to visit family and you got there and were really hungry and you were like, hey, where's the closest grocery store? Philip would have known. And when they come back and say, 200 denarii wouldn't be enough to feed these people even just a little bit, that would have been eight months worth of wages. I don't even know if they had that much money, but they knew that no matter how much the large amount of money they had would be, it wouldn't be enough to feed all of these people because it wasn't just 5,000. It was 5,000 men and then women and children. And scholars think that meant maybe closer to 15,000 people were on that hillside waiting in holy anticipation for what Jesus was about to do. And there was no way that even if there was a grocery store nearby that they had enough money that they wouldn't have found enough food be able to feed them all. It was an impossible situation. But we know that with God, nothing is impossible. And so Jesus knew what he was going to do. And it took one boy who brought his lunch with him, who was willing to say yes when they asked him to share. He couldn't have known what was about to happen, right? But he was there and he said yes. And he gave the little that he had so that Jesus could do something incredible for all of those people. One of the things that I love most about the Bible is that it is not just one story at a time, but this book is beginning to end a whole story of God's love and faithfulness. And so when you read this and you study this section, there are callbacks to the Old Testament in here too. Reminders that people reading this long ago would have been like, you know what, that's like how God provided manna for the Israelites. And then later in this chapter, Jesus gives a message about how he is the bread of life. So he's setting up the scene for what's to come, and he's reminding them about what God has done. And then he's providing for their needs right there. But the 12 baskets of leftovers were also considered a reminder that he could also provide for the 12 tribes of Israel. God has provided, he will provide, he is providing. His provision doesn't run out. And the people sat before Jesus, and they were fed. And one small boy said yes. What would it look like in your life, in our lives, if we were to follow Jesus with that kind of holy anticipation about what he's about to do next, to sit under his teaching and to be fed by the word of God? What kind of a difference would it make in our lives? And then out of the overflow of that difference, what kind of difference could we make in the lives of other people? Because with Jesus, our little can become a lot because his provision never runs out. We might never have enough, but he will always have more than enough. And Jesus served out of a need for a basic necessity, right? They needed food. He didn't go above and beyond. He wasn't giving them steak dinners. He knew that they just, they needed something to eat. And he took what he had and he used it and he provided. But he provided with generosity. It was more than enough. They all got to eat as much as they wanted. With God, our daily obedience, that willingness to say yes in those small places, the places that don't even make sense, the places that feel hard, our daily obedience to serve others can have a far greater impact on the kingdom of God than we can ever know. They didn't know they were part of the fourth miracle that Jesus was going to perform. They had shown up on a hillside, sat in the grass, and were fed some bread. What if we were that willing and that excited to show up not knowing what God was going to do, but ready and waiting for it? So we have three takeaways out of this section of scripture I want us to focus on. Number one, you must be present and available in the lives of the people around you to make a difference. 
the disciples were with Jesus. The little boy was with the crowd, right? We can't make a difference, a true difference in the lives of the people God has placed in our lives if we're not willing to do life with them, to get in the middle and the mess and to know what they really need. Because if we serve out of a place of what we need, what we need to give to other people, we're not serving them, we're serving us. And so we need to be willing to be there, to be with them, to build relationships and trust so that when we serve, we really make a difference. Matthew five thirteen to 16 says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others. Serve out of the gifts that God has given you so that people can see God working in you and through you and be introduced to the Jesus that loves them, who you love, who has made a difference in your life. Because when we serve, we're not just doing a job or going to work, right? We can be a light to a dark world, and we can bring hope to the hopeless. The second takeaway is this. You can use what you have right now to make a difference. We have got to stop waiting to have enough resources, enough time, enough energy. We have got to stop waiting for somebody else to do it or for somebody to extend a special invitation to us to serve others. Because we won't ever have enough time or enough money or enough resources. But what we can bring to the table, God will multiply. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Do you want to know how I know that you can make a difference without knowing you, without knowing where you work or what your gifts are? It's because I believe that every word in the Bible is true. And if God says that he has created good works for us to do, he is inviting all of us. He's inviting you and he's inviting me to do good works here to build his kingdom on earth. And that's how we can make a difference. We are called and we are chosen and we have a purpose. Our third takeaway is the small moments of everyday ordinary obedience can make a big difference. So I have two stories that I want to share with you about this. So one of the freelance jobs that I do is with an organization called Love God Greatly. And they create Bible study materials online for women all over the world to be able to access for free so that there's you know, less of a, an excuse or a um, barrier to being in God's word. And I was on Facebook the other day and one of the women was sharing her testimony about how she discovered Bible study through Love God Greatly. And she had done a study and she loved it and she found it in the online community there and so she invited a few friends to join her. And so as her friends started joining her, her friends fell in love with God's word too. And as they fell in love with God's word, they saw a need. They saw a need for these Bible studies to be translated into their own language because they're from Nigeria. And so they volunteered, using what they had, their ability to speak their own language, right? To translate studies, to take one more barrier away so that women in their communities could access God's word right where they were in a way that connected deeply with them. And there are women all over the world doing this, translating it into Chinese and Arabic and German and every language that you can think of. 
They used what they had. They just showed up and said, yes, yeah, I'll translate that. That's not hard. Because that's the thing with our gifts that God gives us is often it's the things that we don't think are hard that other people come to us and ask us to help with that we think everybody can do. But they can't. That's why they're asking you. The second story I want to share is my friend Winter. So whenever I was putting my book, Holy Hustle, together, I invited some women to share their stories because my stage of life doesn't necessarily connect with everybody in their stage of life, and so I wanted some variety, and Winter shared her story. And Winter comes from a long line of family who are in ministry, and so she knew that God was also calling her in some kind of ministry, and she was so excited about it. She didn't know exactly what it was, But she had that holy anticipation of God calling her to do something to serve women in his kingdom. And so she got married, and they had four girls, and they were all really little, really close together in age. And she remembered sitting at home, serving her family, and also feeling that tension of wanting to do the more that she knew God had for her, but also being there with her family. But what it was that God was doing in those moments where she was struggling to balance that tension that God had put on her life as a mom and with ministry, that's exactly the pain that God used for her purpose. Because once her girls got older and she had the freedom to do some other things, God opened doors for her to write books and start a magazine and to speak all over the country. And then she wrote books with her daughters. And now... Winter, Winter uh, had a sudden and very unexpected heart attack at the end of last year and um, lost her life. And so now her girls, those four girls who witnessed their mother's ministry from the very beginning stages, and they know how much she loved God, and they know how she said yes to him, even whenever it was scary or uncomfortable or different, they get to continue her legacy of ministry Because now through their pain of not having their mom with them, her husband and her daughters, they are able to reach people in incredible ways for God's kingdom. We have one more story I want you guys to watch. Hey everybody, my name is uh, Heath Farrell. Um, I play on the worship team. I play uh, drums and percussion. And I've been asked to share a little bit of my story and um, what's been going on with my life in the past couple past couple weeks and uh, to be honest you know uh, I have had times where I've felt uh, pretty insignificant I just feel like there's more to what I should be doing with my life than what's going on right now it's a weird feeling to have and it's almost kind of like a depression and I went through a period of a couple weeks maybe three or four weeks where I just felt this weight of being insignificant like man, uh, am I being a good dad? Am I being a good father? Am am I being a good husband? Uh, Does it really matter what I'm doing? Uh, Does it matter that I'm, that I'm playing on the worship team? Does any, does any of that have any kind of significance? Uh, One morning I was uh, praying in the car. I was just like, God, I just need you to know that I want more out of my life. Lord, just use me However you see fit, you know, been working here at this job that, you know, it pays the bills, but really it's it's not what I feel is, you know, satisfying. It feels like I'm not really helping anybody. 
And I prayed that prayer going to work. And the crazy thing is, probably about five hours later, um, I had a co-worker that I'm friends with. Um, I know for a fact not to talk any kind of anything with church, religion. That topic was off, off, uh, off the books. He didn't want to hear anything about it. Pulled me aside, and he's like, Hey, uh, I want to ask you something. I know that I can talk to you. And I'm like, hey, yeah, you can talk to me about anything, you know. And he started to share what was going on in his life. He says, hey, um, people, people, are watch, people watch you down here. They, they know that there's something different about you. And I'm like, well, what's, what's different about me? I didn't, you know, I, I help a lot of people at work, but this guy said, you know, people know that there's something different about you about you and I know that I can come to you with this and he was just telling me how he had this experience just the night before where God had it wasn't a spoken word but it was just this impression like telling him hey all these years you've been doing all this stuff your way now I want you to come and do it my way and the hairs on the back of my neck went up and I was just like Oh my gosh, I just, you know, I just prayed about this this morning. We had about a 45-minute conversation. At that point, it didn't matter whether we got in trouble for talking when we were supposed to be working. It didn't matter. That took precedence over everything else that was going on. You know, I think God gave me the words and worked through me to speak truth into this guy's life. And since then, um, it's been about five or six weeks now, um, this guy has been going to church regularly. It was an answer to prayer. If you had me down, God, if you had me down where I am working a job that I really don't like, then why am I here? I know I'm here for a reason. I know it's not by chance. I know it's not coincidence. It just blew my mind that that very same day, uh, the answer to that prayer came about. I just want you to be encouraged that if you ever feel like you're insignificant, that, man, I can't do anything. I can't, you know, help anybody. That's a bunch of crazy craziness. You, you can be used. It doesn't matter whether you play an instrument, whether, whether you just smile at somebody, whether you just are kind to somebody, that that can change the total trajectory of their life. You know, if he had me down there working a job that I hated for 20 years, just to, to have one opportunity to speak truth into somebody's life and change his trajectory, I just want to thank God for that. It's amazing, isn't it? A job he didn't like, really didn't like, and hated, um, it got worse, right, as he kept going. But man... Maybe you're in a position like that, right? Maybe right where you are now, in the job that you have, in the season of life that you're in, you're like, God, I have no idea how I can make a difference here. It doesn't make sense. But, like in Heath's story, right? God can make a way. He is in the business of doing the impossible. If we're willing to be faithful and stay there, people will notice that you're a little different, right? That they can come talk to you. That you have a different light about you that is Jesus shining through you, right? So we're going to finish this message by looking at kind of three questions that I have often asked and I think we ask that sometimes keep us from 
serving if we're willing to let the excuses get in the way of the actual answers, right? So the first one is this. What keeps us from serving others and saying yes to God? Your answers might be a little different than mine, but there are three that immediately jump to mind for me. It's fear, doubt, and comparison. Right? Comparison to the gifts of other people around me, assuming that they can do it better, that there's somebody else that could do this job instead of me, that somebody else could step in and serve and be much more successful about it. Fear that I'm going to fail again, right? Make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes. My first grade daughter, her class is learning about how mistakes are opportunities to learn. They're encouraged to make mistakes because that means they're trying, right? But I know fear for me is, you know, looking foolish or failing again. And doubt is an interesting one for me because for some reason, um, I've never really doubted the gifts that I have. I've always known and had a passion for doing certain things. And so it's not that I doubt my own gifts, but I've had people speak some doubt over my life, right? You've had those people who've maybe rained on your parade, right? You get really excited to serve in an area or do something and they're like, "Uh, I don't think that's going to work. I remember sitting down with my financial advisor before Holy Hustle came out and we were talking about the book and everything we had going on because I think he just likes to know how I'm planning on spending my money that year. And so I was telling him about the book and he was excited for me and it wasn't even out yet, right? It was still with the publisher, it was being printed. And there was somebody else in the room and she was listening to our conversation and she said, well, if nobody buys it, I mean, I know some people at a local publishing house if you need some favors like, oh, I didn't even know that I should think that nobody would buy it. I just, okay, I mean, I knew my mom would buy a copy, but I didn't know I should doubt that anybody else would. And so I left that meeting full of doubt over this dream I knew God had answered that I had had on my heart since seventh grade. But it took one person to say, well, if nobody, if nobody buys it, if nobody shows up, if nobody notices, if nobody appreciates it, right? But we have got to lay all the fear and comparison and doubts at the foot of the cross because we sang about it earlier. That is not what Jesus speaks over your life. That is not who God called us to be. He calls us his. He has chosen us. And so we need to let go of all the things that keep us from serving with confidence and with joy. The second question is this. What happens if we try and fail, right? I mean, there are a lot of opportunities to look foolish in this world, especially when we're serving. I mean, I have a feeling if you serve with Kids Point, they might have you up on stage and you might... I mean, my daughter likes to volunteer my husband to do like the chili eating contest at FX. So there's a good chance that if you help out, yeah, you might end up doing something that's out of your comfort zone. But here's the thing. What would happen if we chose to serve even if we looked foolish or failed? Because... When we stop making serving others about ourselves and we really focus on loving other people well, humility can overcome humiliation. And the secret is that our pride can't be hurt if it's not even a player in the game. Our third question is this. What if we don't know where to start? That's held me back, right? I mean, you look around and you're like, oh, everything's running smoothly. Obviously, things are going well. They don't need me. I don't even know where I would step in. I mean, I could give you probably a dozen places where you could volunteer at Grand Point just off the top of my head, and I could think of probably four just in my own department that you could come hang out with me and help. But here's the thing. I have, there are really two places where we all start. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world 
and preach the gospel to all creation. Luke 10.27, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. We love God, we love others, and we share his hope with the world. That's where we start serving. How can you use the gifts that God has given you? The gifts you discovered maybe after last week's message. The gifts that you know he has always given you because it's the things that people ask you to do all the time. And you're like, oh yeah, that's really easy. I just assume everybody knows how to do this. They don't. It's why they're asking you. Like, how can you use those gifts to love other people well and introduce them to the Jesus that you love? So maybe this week you spend some time thinking about what those gifts are, right? Maybe, maybe you need to have some trusted people speak into your life. Maybe you meet with your circle, right? And you have a conversation about all the areas where if you could serve anywhere, not worrying about time or resources or, you know, looking foolish, where would it be? Have, your, have these trusted friends, right? Have this conversation with you so that you can come up with some ideas of where you can make a difference and then do something about it. Because if we go into this next week and this next year with holy anticipation about what God is going to be able to do with the little bit that we bring to the table, then we can start to stay alert for those opportunities when God is opening doors for us and inviting us to say yes, to partner with him in his kingdom work. Because imagine what this year would look like, right? Beyond just this month where stores are all, you know, selling love and it's now like 90% off at Target because it was Valentine's Day. What would this year look like if we chose to make small, everyday, obedient yeses to God to just love people well? It would make a difference. So if this message went the way that I hoped, I, I kind of think that we came into it thinking, okay, well... All right, service, what's in it for me? What can I give? What can I do? But I'm hoping that now we're, we're looking at serving as a way to just love other people the best we can, right where we are. That doesn't have to be fancy or look perfect or be all together, right? Because we can make a difference right where we are with the gifts God has given us. And the only way, the only way we will absolutely fail is if we choose to do nothing. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for trusting us with the people you've placed in our lives. With holy anticipation, we go out this week looking for and expecting opportunities to serve you and to love your people. Take whatever small offerings we have and use them for your glory. Amen. All right, guys, if you do feel like you want to learn more about serving here at Grand Point, man, stop back at the hub. Somebody would be more than happy to talk to you about the, like, 50 different ways that you can do that here. Um, but otherwise, we'll see you next week. We hope you were encouraged and inspired to discover how you can make a difference right where you are with exactly the gifts God has given you. This week, take some time to think through the excuses that keep you from serving and how you could have an even greater impact on those God has placed in your life if you were able to redefine failure and say just one small yes to God. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Grand Point Church Podcast. Your next step starts here. To learn more about us, visit grandpoint.church. And hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, we would love for you to leave a review on iTunes. It helps other people find us so they can take their next steps too. 
we'll see you next week.